Hi, my name is Marie Toombs and I'm a proud Uralii and Cooma woman and like about 3% of the Australian population are descendants of the oldest, longest surviving civilization in the world, dated at between 60 and 100,000 years. We as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are rich in spirit and diverse in cultures that make up over 250 different countries, also known as tribes, nations, but collectively it means the same thing. My countries are in northwestern New South Wales and western Queensland. I would like to take this opportunity to pay my respects to the traditional owners and continuing connection to this country. Today, we are all on Turrbal and Yagara lands and this place we call Mianjin, otherwise known as Brisbane. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and I would like to also acknowledge any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening to this podcast today. Welcome to the NAIDOC UQ Yarn Series, where I will be speaking with a range of talented Indigenous staff and students about what this year's theme, Heal Country, means, and the call for stronger measures to recognise, protect and maintain all aspects of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and our cultures. Today I'm here with Seth and TK, siblings from the Torres Strait studying here at UQ. Welcome. To kick off today, can you tell me a bit about who you are and where you come from? So we are direct descendants from the Panai clan of Mawiag Island within the Mahu Ilgal Nation and our language group is Kalalagawya. However, we grew up on Thursday Island within the Kaurag Nation. Okay, fantastic. And do you agree with that? I totally agree, yeah. She's done really well with the pronunciation as well. All right, so tell me a little bit about the history of where you come from. So it's in the Torres Strait, so whereabouts exactly? <laughs> All right, so our, we're from the Mabiog Island, so our grandmother originated in Mabiog. And we kind of usually follow the, I think it's the mother's um, past transgressions i guess you'd say um and so yeah so we would say we're from the um from mabiog as part of our grandmother and um sorry our great-grandmother which is masalgi which our grandmother is aina and aina actually grew up on nagi island which is still i think is a part of the malawil gull um kind of province of the torres strait and so i guess oh i'll start from the beginning yeah. Okay, so great-great-grandfather, um, James Mill, um, came over from Samoa Island and kind of settled in Nagi Island, which again is part of the Malu Gull um, Nation. And it's the Western Islands of the Torres Strait. And yeah, so settled there and married into um, Akaneru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was an Aboriginal woman from the Karig, um, yeah, Karig, uh, the mainland Australia. Mm-hmm. And so they had many kids and <laughs> our great grandmother Masalgi um, ended up coming over part of that mate yeah is that right mm. it's so hard because we I guess the, what we were speaking about before it's really hard to think about our culture and really understand our culture on the level that our grandmother did or our great grandparents did because our grandmother was part of that assimilation 
um, process and she was brought over from Nagi Island when she was young and um, kind of got assimilated in with the Catholic culture and the white ways of life. And then a part of that, oh, we were subject to having to learn English as our primary language, having to understand the ways of the the white culture and um, for our progression, and she said education um, and changing at the name, Tittacy was a name changer as well, um, would give us better prospects in life. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of my little stories from childhood is we were at the state school, um, Tagai State School in the Torres Strait, and we have a educational, uh, sorry, a cultural teacher named... I'm so bad with names. <laughs> I don't think that's... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was teaching us the language and how to speak it. And the only thing I ever took back is... And I think that meant, good morning, how are you? But when I told my grandmother about that, she said, learn English, understand yeah. English, talk English in this house. Yeah. And I think- in our household, it was... Um, my mum and dad tried to strictly speak English for us for our education, I guess, because we couldn't speak proper English or write properly and it, it really affected our um, education when we came down to the mainland. It's a really interesting point, that speaking English piece. I, um, I found in my own family that whole eradication of our language was, was taken away because my family were placed on Sherberg Mission, which is mm-hmm. just west of, of Brisbane here. Um, my brother and I really struggled at school and um, my brother is... I wouldn't say he's illiterate, but his language skills are very, very poor. And it wasn't till about 15, 20 years ago where it it occurred to me what was going on and it was that I was speaking a Creole. So I was speaking um, English as a second language and that was reflecting in the way that I wasn't able to learn at school. Mm -hmm. And once I understood that, and I understood the nuances between Aboriginal English and that of standard Australian English, I stopped feeling like I was dumb, because I thought I was, and started to understand that I just had to learn a different way of of writing things. And it sounds like in your situation, your your parents understood that they they yeah, really for sure yeah and it, it I'm interested then in in what is that like then in terms of your identity because it's like in one hand you've got you know your proud Torres Strait Islander heritage um, in the other hand you've got family saying we want you to speak English do you feel like you've retained your strong identity? as Torres Strait as a result of that? I think so, because we grew up, you know, on the reef, swimming, diving, eating out of the sea. And, like, we still speak Creole within, like, when we have our family gatherings and stuff. It's still very prominent. However, we just have to adapt to white culture when we move between. And, like, that's just something... That has to be done, I guess. So you've got that two ways of doing things yeah. and, and you navigate it well from what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was, uh, I think as the oldest, it was a little bit tougher because we got I got moved to high school at the age of, well, what, 12? 
yeah, I think, yeah 12. I was a year younger than everyone. Um, and so I think understanding English and doing the English style of life was um, something that I kind of had to do going to an all-boys private school. Um, and so then I think not going home most holidays during high school um, it kind of embedded into me a little bit. And so um, it was hard to kind of focus on that. And then it kind of makes sense after speaking to our middle eldest sister, yeah, yeah. Um, Ashley. She's very – she's in-depth with the culture of the Torres Strait. And um, she was also quite upset that grandma was saying the same things about – you know, focusing on the white way of life and um, trying to better yourself with the education English, which is 100% true, but you do forget the importance of your culture. And I didn't realise that I was so far behind with my cultural understanding until I started getting older. I guess Absolutely. I'd like to say a little bit wiser. But <clears throat> um, yeah, so now it's now I guess it's like a race for time, especially for me, just to try get in touch back with it and try and focus back on that because I'd 100% like my kids to be, um, my future kids to be associated with that and kind of grow up with that as their primary identity and then use the white way of life as their second identity and be able to oscillate between the two. Love it. So your siblings, yeah. whereabouts do we sit in the line? So Takeda, you're the oldest in the family, is that correct? Yeah, with our immediate mother, we are the oldest. Yes. Um, but we have two older sisters yes. that um, are from another mother. And, um, yeah, so I am the third eldest in regards to the Tittacies. And I'm the second youngest. <laughs> okay. So yes. how many years are between you two? Seven. Uh, oh, seven. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad <laughs> you're Okay, then, and I'm just trying to work out which one of you has the upper hand here, and I think it might be separate. <laughs> 100%. I think from day dot. She Always. Was, she, I think, yeah, as soon as she could start speaking, we all got scared of her pretty quickly. <laughs> I love it. A strong woman. Fantastic. <laughs> so how did you both end up at UQ? Like, what are your, yeah, what's your trajectories? I know, Takedo, you're doing medicine, but what about you? I'm doing boy? nursing. Okay. And, um following in Tito's footsteps, hopefully. And so what year are you? I'm first year. So oh. I just finished high school and I moved down this year. Yeah. Mm. Fabulous. And so health, medicine, I'm hearing a theme here. So what what's led you down this path of wanting to work in medicine? You want me to go? Okay. So I was pretty caught on medicine from... I think the beginning um, when I was really, really young. Um, and I think the main reason being is that we would have a lot of family members kind of disappear from the island and I don't know where they were going. And then they would come back um, and we figured out that, or I figured out as I slowly started growing up, a lot of them went away for big medical treatments and whatnot. So Townsville was one of the leading places for the Torres Strait to get cardiac surgery. And um, so, yeah, so... I think when I realised that they were disappearing and, you know, they had a hard time being in Townsville, away from family, although Torres Strait Islanders and Aboriginals, they're everywhere through the Torres Strait and, uh, sorry, through Cairns and um, Townsville. So we had family members everywhere. But um, um, it was, from my understanding, it was quite hard for them. And when my grandma said 
you know, from her experiences being in Townsville, having her cardiac surgery and then coming back. Um, so I guess, I don't know, I kind of gravitated towards that a little bit. So I, my whole story is I got into medicine first time around, 2013, um, and I was quite young very mature and I didn't take it seriously. <clears throat> so yeah, and then we had a family death, which was our grandmother. Um, and so we took, I took a year off and you guys were all still, you were still in primary school, hey? Yeah, yeah. very little. Um, and then I went and did nursing and wasn't the greatest fan of the, the degree at the time because it was hard for me to kind of focus on university and still have all that in my back, back of my mind. Um, but graduating nursing and starting in coronary care unit was a game changer. Yeah, being with all the Indigenous people there was pretty good and being able to be kind of like the centre point for them to come and talk to you was pretty awesome. Nice. Mm. Yeah. And what about you, Tim? Um, I'm not going to lie. I just wanted to copy everything Tito did. <laughs> um, he's my idol. Um, <laughs> so when he said he was like, so I just um, thought nursing was the best idea. And I want to build, I want to learn how to build relationships with my patients in the future like, really well. But I uh, mainly want to do medicine so I can work with um, Indigenous women. It's really where I'm heading towards at the moment. Yeah. And like you said, like, People, like, oh, well, the healthcare system in Torres Strait is, like, a lot of white doctors and nurses come up and they leave. And I'm, it would be nice just to have, like, one, like, someone who stays a while so your community gets to know them and there's a safe environment. And I'd like to be there one day. That's Hopefully. wonderful. And I just want to visit quickly, just go back to your point about you saw Takedo, you saw people disappear off the island and it's just an interesting concept and I wonder like as a little boy seeing them kind of disappear off the island like were you surprised to see them come back or did you ask people where they were going like did you understand it was a health issue no. as a little boy not as, not as a little boy I was a bit weirded out by it um but I don't know I just some people said they were on holidays. Some people said this, but I, I didn't really ask them much questions. I was a bit of a strong head kid growing up. So um, I was always outside doing other things, but yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, then when grandma went away a few times, it was strange, but I only actually realized late in high school that she actually had really bad cardiac disease. And it was, yeah, I guess I didn't really understand too much about it or understand the actual processes of it. Um, and yeah, so I think going through university, um, yeah, it was quite, I think, yeah, going through university and being a nurse in the coronary care unit, ED, cath lab, um, like the Indigenous, yeah, what do you call it, presentations are just ridiculously high. And it's it's just, I don't know, for me it was really, really good to have that relationship with them and um, kind of speak to them. And as a nurse, you know, sometimes we ha don't have much time, but other times we do have time. And sitting down and having a chat was probably one of the best things to do on a night shift or a late shift. I hope my bosses don't hear this, so I get in trouble. <laughs> <coughs> um, but yeah, so important like relationships for us 
with mob and between mob is is central to who we are as people and yeah it's just nice to hear that for both of you that building those relationships and and sort of really grounding yourself in in your um yeah, wanting to go back to community, I suppose, is really, really nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, especially if you get to fish and dive and oh. <laughs> do all sorts of awesome things, like oh. stop it. <laughs> so tell me about your experiences as a UQ student. So how are you finding the place? Because you're both new to the – yeah, you both started this year. So what's that like? You can go first. Um, it's definitely harder than I thought it would be. There's a lot of content. Um, I don't know. I thought like nursing would be chill, but the UQ nursing definitely is not chill. I need to introduce you to my daughter, who's also first year nursing. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with like my comprehension because you know English is my second language, so I just have to work that a little bit harder in order to just understand things. So it's a lot of hours. Yeah. Putting into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, me. Um, I'm definitely finding it a lot harder than my undergrad um, and especially being away from university and constant assessments and deadlines for three years was quite tough coming back to it. Um, so I've definitely foregone, like, sorry, I've, I've had to let go of a lot of my personal life and my personal time to be focusing on study and, um, and I know medicine is quite intensive and so for anyone out there who is going to do medicine make sure you focus on yourself as well because it is quite tough um and yes you you i've figured out that you can't miss a day of study which is tough and you have to stay on top of it because if you miss one lecture or one day um that becomes a week and if you don't catch up on it within the 48 hours that becomes two weeks and um thankfully that hasn't been me only with anatomy, um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it is it is it is quite intensive. I'm, I'm finding clinical science, which is one of the main pathophysiology, um, pharmacology classes, um, really really interesting because I understand patterns and I can see pictures quite well. Um, but again, the comprehension is quite tough. Learning how to write to the style of UQ is very different to to the style of JCU, um, and I don't know, like, yeah, I've, some weeks you think you're on top and then other weeks you figure out you're not. And then it's just like a constant cycle of ups and downs and it is quite tough, but, like, I'm getting there. Yeah. So how do you support each other? How do, how do you support, well, how do you also include that self-care when like particularly in medicine, Taquito, like it, it is such a labour-intensive course. So are you, are, do you find you're getting the balance right there with it? Oh, for me, um, I don't think I've found the proper, proper balance yet. I've definitely started to figure out study techniques um, and writing techniques. I think that's the two main things I like to, wanted to focus on. I've definitely haven't been focusing on my physical exercise as much as I should do. Um, but for us, we do dinners every now yeah, and then. Yeah, we have, like, dinner once a week. And like I said, I do follow him around. So I'm always, like, at the access unit yeah. <laughs> hanging out with him. Well, I mean, your college annoying you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we have yeah, some no, good times. We spend, like, and when his partner comes down, 
we I always go around to see him a lot of the time as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, we have some fun. We all hang out a lot. I like teaching him cardiac stuff. That was probably my hardest. Yeah. And yeah. No. yeah. Is he's really good help too because um, everything that I've done uh, that I'm doing obviously <laughs> he's done so he just explains it all really well if I don't understand something so. But I think we bounce off each other pretty well. Like when I'm feeling quite low and shit, mm-hmm. give her a call. Yeah, that's so yeah. nice. Well, it's good that you've got each other and yeah. that you're both <laughs> in the same place together as well. And speaking of place, um, this year's NADOC theme is Hill Country. Mm-hmm. And so I guess just for the next um, five minutes or so, um, it'd be nice just to get your perspectives on what that means for you both. So yeah. Hill Country. Well, Hill Country, is. I think it's really important um, theme actually because i think in order for us to exist like us indigenous australians and white australians exist between each other we need to like understand each other's like cultural knowledge and um heritage and i think it's really important that we also address um indigenous australian history in australian history and not ignore it. So genocide, rape, let's all talk about it. Let's put it on the table and let's do something we can, you know, just to move forward. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. And it's a good point. I mean, that well, we call it truth-telling. Yeah. And um, it's a part of Australia that isn't heard and we're one of the only countries in the world that don't have truth-telling that sits side-by-side side with reconciliation and so we've got, you know, everyone running around Australia going, well, what are, we, what are we reconciling about? But if you don't know that front piece around the history of what happened in this country, then you can't come to that piece in a way that's meaningful. Exactly. So, yeah. And I feel as there's a lot of denial in, um, between what happened, but obviously it did happen, stolen generation, why there's so much trauma in Indigenous communities. And um, if we don't talk about it and if we don't try to change it, like closing the gap, for instance, we won't get anywhere. Absolutely. And I guess that hill country too, like it's sort of got two edges to it. One is um, like the country as a whole healing as a result of what happened so that truth-telling piece and then the other piece around hill country could be about our own situation or position when it comes to our own country i don't know there's lots of nuances around it yeah so what are your thoughts takita um yeah it it is tough and i think i Definitely growing up, I was a definite product of everything because I tried so hard to not let it affect me, block it out, because there was a lot of people kind of growing up would make little small remarks and whatnot here and there. And I think over time I just shut it out. But as I'm getting older, it's like it is good to see that this is happening and it's good. I would yeah, really like to be a part of it. I personally have only ever been to, and this is I'm so shameful to say this, but two NATO um, days and they were when I was in primary school in the Torres Strait. Um, and I think especially, and again, I'm so ashamed to say this, but growing up and having to be 
you know, with all the boys at the high school that I was at, um, I thought that it was a little bit embarrassing to be who I was because. Absolutely. I, I, I feel that like sometimes I'm, I grew up, um, spent the last five years on the Tablelands and let's just say they're not a really progressive community. And um, it was like a little bit like I was scared to tell people that I was indigenous. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm kind of thankful and especially like I'd never thought that coming to a big city, people will be so open and accepting of it. Yeah. <laughs> Blew my mind. People <laughs> just get around it. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Like, And I think it's only until like, especially being in Brisbane that it's actually, you know, part of growing up whilst being a nurse in Townsville and then especially being in Brisbane, I, it makes you actually feel good. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. No, yeah. I'm proud to be who yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm indigenous. Sweet. I'm an indigenous woman. I'm glad everyone Australia. actually understands this. And Yeah. But it is, um, especially going through actually medicine, we have a um, subject called um, Health Society and Research, HSR, um, and it blew my mind how many people actually don't know what happened. And um, I'm not saying anything bad about the subject or anything like that um, because it's so hard to deliver this information to people that are from overseas or come from different families who have different ideologies. And I think the sensitivities around stolen generations, um, our identity as well, it all comes back to that history piece because as Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander peoples, I know when I was growing up, if you were Aboriginal, like you were at the bottom of the ladder and, and you were lower than bottom of the ladder and, and, and it wasn't cool, you know, it totally wasn't cool. And so all the, the racist remarks come and you're treated a different way and, and you're viewed with these sort of stereotypical kind of mindsets that go with that as yeah. well. And I just go back to your points about, you know, not feeling safe to identify or feeling, you know, like you were saying, shame or ashamed. And we shouldn't have to feel like that because we are the first peoples we've been here for at least 60,000 years we're the oldest surviving um, civilization in the world yeah. you know and that's something that all of us in Australia should be proud of but um, I think that fragility of identity it's something that I hear all the time and it's very much reflected in the comments that you've made as well yeah so we've just got to keep the fight going I know. keep up the good fights so, yeah <laughs> so just to wrap this up, is there anything else that you wanted to add to, yeah, just your own experiences or something that could contribute to um, this year's NAIDOC theme? Like what, what would you like to see change? Um, I'd probably like to, and I'm working towards this change, to see more in Indigenous health practitioners, absolutely, because I personally always feel safer when I go to Indigenous clinic and with an Indigenous doctor, an Indigenous nurse. And not only that, is that they understand the struggle and they always go that extra bit harder to make sure, like, you are cared for. And I, I just I don't see that in, like, white um, doctors when I go to them. Like, the, I don't think they personally understand... Um, like, I'm not sure, like... 
I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like I 100% agree. I, I loved being in Townsville working as an Indigenous nurse. It was very, very rewarding. Um, and it was nice to be you know, someone that they could just chat to before their procedure that would calm them down or even in an emergency call um, when we were attending to the patient. Yeah, I personally felt, you know, comfortable doing what I had to do at fast pace and at a critical time. And um, and they really appreciated that too because, you know, my job may have been only minor, um, but we all still had the ability to talk through it together. And so the patient would be focused on me and I'd be focused on them and we'd get through it. And it was just good. And so, yeah, I'd 100%, 100% like to see more Indigenous healthcare workers out there because, yeah. Um, yeah, we do make a big difference, yeah, I think. for sure. I think so too. And, mm. yeah. Okay. Well said. <laughs> Fist pumping each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much to both of you, Sefwen and Takedo, brother and sister here at UQ. And I can say as an old girl getting down the track, it's nice to see that there's this beautiful, young, strong talent coming through. And you know, I feel like we're in good hands. I always say to my daughter, don't put me in a nursing home. So, <laughs> so I'll say that to you, if you come across me around the tracks, don't put me in a nursing home. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you so Thank much. You so much.